Welcome to the Gridiron Stud Show. As always, Chad Wilson, Emil Calamino here with you for the next, what do you say, 60 minutes, Emil? 60. Sometimes we lie, but I think it'll be 60 today. 60 quality minutes. Listen, uh, we may need to go into overtime like a couple games did last week. Emil, what an exciting week, uh, both college and NFL football. I don't. It's been a while since I remember a slate like that with such exciting uh close knit games in both college and NFL. Yes. Yes. We'll we'll get to some of the college, the upset, um, some of the, some of the big things that went on. I think I was saying this the other day, maybe you don't feel this way, but for some reason this year, the NFL, I think did a really good job with their early schedule. I feel like they've really got a lot of good matchups early where some years we get a lot of, like we call the friends and family games. I don't feel like there's been a lot of those on Sundays. And you think that's deliberate by the league? Well, I mean, look at some of the matchups, particularly, you know, and I guess it could be luck. But I mean, you know, you, you have the Chargers uh, Ravens this week. We'll talk about, uh, you know, you, you have games like the uh, Cowboys Chargers, Cowboys Buccaneers early. I just think they got a lot of team Cleveland's playing Arizona this week. Uh, Arizona's played the Rams. The Rams played the Buccaneers. I think they got a lot of them in early. And to me, it added excitement instead of like getting into the season slowly where you get a lot of your uh, and pick on two teams here, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I think uh, as the year wears on and the teams kind of shake out, the stories make themselves. So early on in the season, maybe you're trying to create the stories. And as the season wears on and you've got records and and people establish themselves or. Um, I don't know what would be the there. You said that much more eloquently than I did. I think you just nailed it. I think maybe they finally realize that, and and I'm hoping I ho- I'm hoping it continues in future years. I think early getting these games in helps th- the entire narrative, as opposed to saying you know let's take the teams we suppose will be interesting or good and match them up against teams we already know aren't. Uh, and we'll do that for three or four weeks. I think that gets you out of the gate slow. I prefer the way they did it this year, and like you said. We see what happens, and then you already have your stories as the year's going along. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we've got some topics to get to today. Obviously, we're going to have to talk about email gate. There's no way around that. We've got to talk about the Gruden tapes or emails, <laughs> shall we say. It just sounds better saying tapes. Anyway, we'll talk about that on the show today. Um, there's a certain NFL team that I think is in trouble. I think, Emil, you're going to agree with me there, and I think – Maybe a lot of our fans, except those in the local area for this football team, are going to have to agree with us. But just how much trouble they are in, we'll talk about that on the show today. We'll talk about the last Monday night football game that went by. It was uh, just one of the thrilling games that went on this weekend, both college and NFL. Um, we got to talk about that Red River rivalry. Is that what we expected? Is it? Was it one of the best games of all time? We might even talk about, Emil, what? You and I think were uh, the best game you ever watched. I don't want to say put in person, but yeah, the best games you ever watched. College? Can we limit it to college because it we gets could. really? Yeah. yeah, we definitely could limit it to college. And you know, between you and I, we've got over eighty years of watching <laughs> we college, football. college football in our brains. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Down goes Bam. I got to talk about that. And is it over for this particular college football coach? But before we get into all that exciting stuff that I just previewed here for you. 
Let's go ahead and have you subscribe to the show if you happen to be listening to us right now on the podcast. So that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, whatever it is you are streaming this show on right now. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button because that A, makes us happy, and B, it causes you to never miss out on a show like this ever, ever again. So go ahead and smash that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate it. If you're trying to follow us on social media, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Studs. Um, you may like my content. I put a lot of work into it. Try that out. Um, if you're in the Facebook family, go find Emil. Um, as I say every week, he's profound. He says some very interesting things on a wide range of topics. And, uh, you can find him on Facebook, E-M-I-L-C-A-L-O-M-I-N-O. There you go. All the vowels, you got them. Yeah, I hit them. I hit them all for my paisano. All right. Pass, what do you pass, have C, pass, pass C, Jack is proud of you right now. Oh, yes, definitely. You definitely would be proud of me. But um, if you want to email the show because we said something you didn't like, we don't care. But email us anyway. Wilson at gridironstuds.com. <laughs> Questions, comments can be sent there. Or if you're on the Anchor app, go ahead. And- well, don't don't care. I mean, we'll 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 probably read it and, and take it under advice. No, we'll but- read it. Yeah, we'll read it. We'll read it, but uh, we may better it. Somebody could have a valid point. They, you know, as long as they don't start off with "Why don't you do meatballs?" You know, if it starts, then we probably won't care. But if you have a valid concern, or, yeah, um, send it to us. I don't know if calling me a meatball would be a thing, but anyway, the one why, of you don't like meatballs. Sure, everybody likes meatballs. <laughs> well, not everyone. Most of us, but I, I digress. Let's hop into it, Emil. Uh, the Gruden emails got a man fired. Didn't like the size of uh, the head of the NFLPA's lips, um, and he had a wide range of things that he was unhappy about. Um, and he hit every group. Emil hit every group. He didn't Females, miss anybody. He didn't um, miss anybody. Homosexuals, blacks. It did not matter. Democrats. Everybody ran the gamut. He was equal opportunity with it. Uh, and of course it was enough to get him fired. Uh, there's a number of things that I've been seeing out there, uh, Emil, about the, about the whole situation, but I'm going to let you take the lead on this thing. Cause you have been engrossed in it. I find it fascinating. Cause I think it's, a you know, almost like a social experiment of where we're at in our country, uh, to some extent. You, you know, you, you start off with this was an investigation, you know. So, first of all, how did they get these emails? Right. So people who haven't maybe followed it as deeply or whatever. I don't know how you missed this part, but maybe you did. They were doing an investigation of the Washington football team. See, I even did. I even called them by the right name, the Washington football team. God bless you. I struggle with that. But. Yeah, I still call them the other name. Um, anyway, uh, you know, they've there's a case involving, you know, uh, workplace, you know, whatever you want to call malfeasance. Okay. You know, basically it was a hostile work environment. Uh, I believe it's mostly females, you know, they had a quote unquote toxic culture there it ranges from the cheerleaders being, you know, taken on trips with, you know, the, the high rollers that Snyder knows and <laughs> females that work inside the company, you know, you, you name it. Okay. So anyway, they're, they're going through these emails on their servers, you know, 650,000 emails, by the way. It's a lot of email, okay? And there's a lot of boring stuff in there. Not everything sure. in email. Most things in email are not tantalizing. Okay? Yes. So, they sifted so well through 650,000 to find um, Gruden. Correct. So first of all, I find it fascinating that 
we do this entire investigation. It's about to go away, right? Because most people weren't paying attention any longer. They got a $10 million fine and, you know, they slapped Snyder on the wrist. He got back on his 200 foot yacht and away we went, right? Sure. So all of a sudden we get this nugget, you know, hey, John Gruden called, you, know, you said, uh, Maurice Smith has lips like Michelin tires. Now, mm. first of all, I find it fascinating that nothing comes out about Snyder. We're doing an entire investigation mm. about this, yes. this toxic we, we, work we skipped environment. over the principle in the investigation. Correct. Nothing. So, so this guy who supposedly takes cheerleaders in planes and makes them sit on people's laps. I mean, a guy that's been characterized as not having the highest moral character. Let's say it that way. He's There's running nothing. a criminal enterprise for an NFL franchise. <laughs> There's nothing in there from Snyder. Not one email. Maybe that that's was, yet. Maybe it's yet to come. I don't know. Well, and that goes into something you've brought up, and you can talk about it when, when when we get to that part of this. And this is something you know you had a very interesting, um, you know, theory that basically the commissioner was kind of butt hurt that Gruden went off on him and called him some not so nice names in there. Mm-hmm. And said, hey, you know, I'm going to take this guy down, you know, right. And, and the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to release this email about Smith mm-hmm. thinking that the Raiders will say, oh, my God, you know, my, but they're the Raiders. Right. So they're not, you know, Come on, you're going to have to do more than that. Right, so you figure Mark a black patch over his eye on their helmet for crying out loud. Right, like Mark Davis, their coach. No, like Mark Davis is going to say, "Okay, you know, I got to get him out." And you know, he didn't. He had seen Mark Davis's haircut. He's not really. No, Mark uh, is. He's not in this. He's not even with us in 2021. Okay, he's still in a different era. Anyway, Davis has a meeting with Gruden. Apparently, they discuss it. Gruden goes on the apology tour. Then goes up and makes some BS story of when a guy can't get it, lies and he can't get stuff out of his mouth, he calls them rubber lips, <laughs> which I never, <laughs> I never heard that one before. <laughs> anyway, now the NFL has a problem because see they release this and the Raiders are like, okay, <laughs> what, yeah. what next? So they have to go to Plan B, and they get more emails. Yes. And these emails contain, like, as Chad said, and we don't need, you know, you guys can read about this. I'm not going to, but it yeah, we don't everybody. need to go into the minutiae and the details. No, they of what missed was it. Said. You know, they, he didn't miss anybody, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he, he hit everyone up. He most definitely hit everyone up. So you had to, like you said, go to plan B. You had to throw more out there to move the Raiders. Um, and also probably leak some of that out to the media to kind of help the Raiders move in the direction that you wanted them to move in. And I'm talking about Goodell in the NFL because you need this guy gone because, you know, um, he hurt Goodell's feelings with the things that he said. So there was a little bit of revenge waged here. I think the unintended consequence of that is that it piqued um, everyone's interest, including the right people who are saying now, well, wait a minute, 650,000 emails. And we found this stuff about Gruden, well, man, what else do we have going on here in these emails? And now therein lies the problem for the NFL. Yes, because in 650,000 emails, there's bound to be some stuff in there quite a bit, um, ranging from, nah, this doesn't really look too good, to catastrophic. And now the right people are demanding that those emails be released 
and that we, the public at large, be allowed to see just exactly what was going on. Um, Which I'm not sure the NFL, I think this is a more of a PR issue at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure they're under any obligation to release them. Um, you know, I mean, if there's a case in court, I guess a, a judge could could force it into the record of court. But I'm not sure they're under right now. And I and like I told you last night, I mean, I have a feeling they're on the server with Hillary emails. OK, yeah, <laughs> I strongly doubt anything that is going to wreck the league, hurt the league, give the league yet another black eye is going to be perched from the system. No, no. Yeah, I think that's going to be like an oops. We had we had an intern in IT. And, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. But in the quest to obliterate John Gruden. Um, you have opened yourself up for this kind of, and I think your theory, you know, and, and you know, I think what you said about it, where, you know, where else could they have come from? I mean, the Redskins, sure. there I go. See, I, I screwed not intentional. The Washington football team has yes. no incentive to release this stuff. It doesn't Any make them look good. So yeah. it didn't come from them. I don't think, I mean, to me, it almost, you, you know, unless the league could prove otherwise, I don't see how you can assume anything other than the league leaked what they wanted to, to the New York times. It's, it really does seem so. Um, and, you know, it may have seemed like some kind of a strong stealth move at the time, but it's not, it's not going to look good. It doesn't look good right now. I have a feeling it's going to get worse in terms of how it looks in the days to come. Boy, the NFL really needs something else to happen elsewhere to take people's minds off of this. And it's probably, well, gonna you know, it's funny. You said something, uh, you know, to me last night talking, you know, texting and I, and I, it, it kind of struck me, you know, you could say Goodell is growing game, you, you know, as you said, but man, this guy's man, nothing but scandals in his time as the commissioner. Yeah. Um, one after the other, deflate gate, um, um, what was what? What did we call the one with the with the videotaping by the Patriots? Oh um, yeah, everything. It's just, but it's one after everything. the other. And you know, the I, kneeling, I went. Everything. I went and tried to figure out this guy. You know, I, I'm always interested in because we're all products of where we came from. You know, we we change, we evolve, we get hopefully better. But you know, we we have to look at history. Right? So I'm saying, what this guy to me never struck me as a football guy. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. in air quotes, a football guy. Mm-hmm. He seems like just a, yeah, he's a business guy, you know, mm-hmm. and trying to run a football league without loving the sport. Okay, so he look and he he was a really good athlete in three sports in high school: baseball, basketball, football. So he, you know, it's not okay. like he didn't like sports, but he seemed to come from what I could see and read from a silver spoon background his father was a senator mm-hmm. um he came out of college uh economics degree and started working at the nfl immediately when he's 23 years old now that seems like something that probably dad helped him get i'm guessing because 23 year old with an economics degree doesn't seem like somebody who lands in new york with an internship at the nfl just accidentally <laughs> yeah so well, you know listen there's a bunch of that that happens in, in I understand, no, but I'm just saying. I'm trying to figure out. This guy doesn't seem like a guy. Uh, I don't know how to say it, that loves football as much as he loves making money off football. <laughs> uh, well, you're drawing that conclusion really from what? Because from what I hear, he was just a stuff that athlete, he just he stuff that work, he, he's, he's been working in the NFL since 23. I don't know how old he is now. I'm assuming 
60? I, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I think he likes to. Yes, I think about that. I think he's about 60, if I remember. Correctly. I just think he likes the business side of it more because he, he seems to do things. You said he grows the game. Well, that's the business side. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I think he's grown the game. Now, that may be accidental. I mean, in other words, it may have grown organically with or without him. I mean, we love our football <laughs> in the United yeah. States. But he does, he just seems to do different things to the game on the field a lot of times that you're you're just shaking your head. And now this is like another thing where I think he's damaging the league mm-hmm. and, and there was no need. Okay, so a guy took a shot at you. You know, you read this, these emails, you're all butthurt. But, you know, you got to take a step back. If, in fact, this is what happened and they released these emails, mm-hmm. you got to take a step back and be smarter than that. I yeah, mean, you if, know, Emil, if, you know who Goodell kind of reminds me of, um, and, and you know, for those of you out there that watch the the hit show on Showtime, Billions, um, he really does just remind me of the Attorney General from the show, who's hell bent. And Emil, I don't know if you've watched. This oh, show. I love the show. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> Funny you mentioned it. I love it. Yeah, um, he just really. Sh- Paul Giamatta's character. Yes, which for some reason I can't recall. Yeah, I know. I know. I can't. Yes. yes, He he, he reminds me of that character who's hell-bent on destroying acts. Yep. um, And, you know, taking down whatever he believes to be is evil while himself being somewhat corrupt in doing so just in this instance i'm not any any and even and even if he's and even if it's to his own detriment in the show anybody who watches it mm-hmm. this guy will try to take down this billionaire wall street guy even yes. life in the process doing it corruptly as chad points out because mm-hmm. he yes. feels that the end justifies the means yeah and that's kind of what he seems like here so listen um we'll probably be talking about this again next week that's just what i feel i feel there's a lot more to come john gruden did not send all those emails like that without getting some kind of encouragement from the subject or the uh, person that those emails were being sent to one bruce allen so we're yet to find out what allen's emails contained and um, well you know some of the stuff in there though i have to tell you like i found some of it a little bit laughable i mean in other words okay juvenile man man behavior you mean well some let's face it you know and my wife and i talked about this all these guys that are clutching right now 99 percent of them are lying Mm. They're lying like they never lied before. Like when they're like, I can't believe like he sent a picture right there in there of two topless cheerleaders in bikini bottoms. Right. Well, number one, how did they get topless? I'm assuming they took their tops off on their own. Um, we can only hope. That we can only hope. Happened. Yes. Number two, um, I'm going to say that percentage is in the high 90 percent. If you're telling me a normal, regular American male has never received one of those or sent one of them ever. Yeah, um, there's a faction in a group out there that would say, oh, I'm horrified. I'm mortified by that. That This is how men behave. OK. Yeah. OK. Stop already. You can't lie to yourself. You know, you can lie to everybody else, but look in the mirror. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, and again, it's, you know, I'm walking a fine line. You know, some of the stuff in there, you know, you can't excuse. Obviously, I mean, it was, you know, you're a leader. You're a role model people are looking at you for leadership you got to consider that you know with everything you do especially as you go up the the totem pole of life you know more and more people whether it's your family your kids your neighbors as you keep going higher and higher people 
who respect you, you're going to hurt them if you let them down. So he let people down. He said some stuff in there that obviously was very bad. But, you know, we have people that on TV and you're sitting there. I said to you specifically, I was well, I know Keyshawn and him don't have any love loss. I get it. Mm. Okay. Keyshawn doesn't have any. But if you're telling me that that Keyshawn is going to sit here and tell me he's never used slurs mm-hmm. against homosexuals, I'm going to tell you he's a liar. Um, I didn't hear Keyshawn's comments. It just in general, were they what was what were the tone? of Basically, the you know, he's a, he, you know went into the piling on. I never liked him. He's a phony and a fraud, and to some extent, I always felt. Oh, he so he saw wolf. an opportunity. He saw. An yes, opportunity. yeah. I mean, don't. I always felt Gruden was a phony too. But where was this talk when he was in the league? And you know, all of a sudden he's down. We're going to call him a phony and a fraud. Go on your hey, show. Man, when he's you still a get, coach. You got you to jump on that ball when it comes out. <laughs> I know. And that's what I running back's hands. That's what I feel. Yeah, that's what I feel like. You know, when, when he was coach of the Raiders, it'd be a more interesting story if you go on your show and you tell me he's a phony and a fraud. Now I got a story. That's interesting. When the guy's yeah, already I guess died, some people would have the balls to say it at the time that he's a coach doing great things and then really have their moment when he actually does fall down. Like people uh, I've seen memes out there and tweets about Antonio Brown who uh, who yeah. was a Raider for a minute and was a Steeler. And, you know, both both of those programs, if I can say, are not having their shining moments right now. So they're saying, oh, this guy was right about everything. And they're sh- showing the, the and, and, you know, my, and, and I guess where I'm going with this, my take on him was my initial take to you. He was being an, an a-hole, okay? And as you know, having been around football your whole life, football coaches can be some of them pretty crude in their language and sure. the and he was being Especially an your old school guys, of course. Yes. And he wanted to hurt Smith because he found Smith to be a fly in the ointment to the labor agreement, which is what the email was referring to from 10 years ago when they had the lockout. Okay. Right. And he picked on Smith's facial characteristics. I believe personally, mm-hmm. not because he's black, because that's what he could pick on. In other words, I said to you, I think if the guy's name was Bill Julia, doing the thing he would have said that log knows the tally and what blah 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 or whatever my point is i think he was looking to be hurtful which is why i say he's an a-hole yeah but i'm not sure it's he's a racist could he be i guess but i mean he's you know i know you you've said this and i believe you and i think you're you're right you could be a coach and a racist too but he's been around the sport game a long time i would think somewhere along the line if people thought that about him Having been around that long, it comes out, you know, and, you know, I mean, I just he's, it's not like he's a new new kid on the block. Yeah. He's been around. Listen, we have neither one of us have any idea what's in his mind and heart. No. Um, and he didn't in he didn't expressly put it out there, didn't use a derogatory term for African-Americans. He, uh, you know, made fun of the guy's facial features uh, yeah. that happened to be. How can I put this? That happened to be um, coincided with the actual ethnic. Uh, right. But I mean, it could have been, you know, I think, like I said, I think he would have went after whatever he could find, yes. you know, almost like a Donald Trump calling a guy with small yeah, hands. He didn't you like know? the guy. He didn't like the yeah, guy. Yeah, he liked he liked the guy. What he was doing. So, he, right. you know, he did what he did. Um, and he found what he found. I mean, look, if his tape line was way back, <laughs> he would have said something about his tape line or correct balding, whatever. I'm I right. Should, that, that's what I feel. I mean, I have no way. I mean, this is just me. some guy uh, on a podcast giving you my opinion. That's what I feel. I just feel like a guy who's been yeah. in the game 30 some years 
there's going to be some whispers around the game like, hey, this, this guy really doesn't like black guys. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. Well, it's obvious he's not into gays. So um, that. <laughs> oh, well, OK. And again, that's that's where that's where I that's where I think he really, you know, I said that to you, listen, an hour before he resigned. Yeah. I saw a story. I saw the second set. I sent you a text. I said, well, he would have got away with the race, the, 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 the racist stuff. But now he's done. The Raiders will be looking for a coach. And an hour later, he resigned. <laughs> Why do you just sound like the end of a Scooby-Doo episode? And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for the... Well, but am I wrong? I mean, as no, the, you're right. the minute he, you're, the minute you're, he you're, did you're that, right. I said he's done. He's yeah, done. You're, you're right. And I think somewhere um, John Gruden is sitting on a couch somewhere thinking, dang it, why couldn't uh, DeMoris Smith been buck-toothed or something? <laughs> well, you know, exactly. But here's the thing. I, I, I you know, we're kind of chuckling to it's it's serious because you know there's stuff coming out i sent you an article um there's a writer for the undefeated new york times writer espn contributor william roden uh you know pretty smart guy he writes for you know obviously some put an article up and i read it on espn i sent it to chad and i said you know he said to me he said some scary stuff in here because at the end you know he I get it. He's an African-American guy. So, I'm, you know, obviously I can't put myself in his shoes. So I'm mm-hmm. going to give him some latitude mm-hmm. to, and accept however he feels about it as how he feels about it. But the end, he said there is no statute of limitations on this stuff because the emails. Are- right. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's some dangerous stuff there because, see, people change. Not everybody. People evolve. They change their opinions on things. They get smarter. That's what you hope. Mm-hmm. The example. I used to you when sending it to you was, you know, President Obama was against gay marriage. Do I think President Obama was a homophobe? No, I do not. I think mm-hmm. what happened was at some point in time, he's my age, I think, maybe a little bit older, but he grew up in an era and he's, nah, we don't do that stuff. And then he learned about it, said, you know, I don't really think that's a big deal. And he said, you know what? I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. And because he, he changed. In other words, People change. And I think when you start wasn't saying there, wasn't there a whole movie made about a KKK member or former KKK member who had his whole outlook changed um, when he was forced to move in with a black family or something? I thought Forrest Whitaker was in it. I didn't see the movie. I don't I, I, I do remember a, a storyline about that. And so I it's, think possible. Right. it's possible. It's ha- possible. It's usually not normal, but it's possible. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, and you're going to an extreme. That's a KKK member. You know, I'm saying there's people that have, you know, messed up views of the world because they aren't as exp- exposed to more of the world. And one of the greatest teachers in the world is travel, being exposed mm-hmm. to different groups of people. And as people age and get smarter, hopefully, they do change their attitude a lot of things. So I think yeah. all I'm trying to say is I think you get very dangerous you're in dangerous territory and you start saying there's no statute of limitations as if you said this, you can't be different. Well, of course you could. I mean, I think right. you could. I don't want to live in a world where I think people can't change. And I think the way to fix a lot of this stuff is, you know, it's, it's a campaign. You've got to change people's attitudes and and their hearts. And that takes time. And, and if you push them underground. Okay, so wait, wait, let me let me let me stop you there. So uh, um, I would ask you, if you were in charge, mm-hmm. would you have would you have fired John Gruden or would you have set John Gruden up for some type of uh, counseling, uh, maybe some type of a leave 
because, you know, this happened during the season um, and you get some type of sensitivity training. Would you have more done that or did he need to go if you were in charge? Well, I mean, the first thing I'd have to do, to be honest with you, if you're if it's just purely business in this day and age, if that's all I cared about, he probably has to go under the guise of he doesn't represent the, you know, the attitudes of the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. Mm-hmm. But but if I really wanted to do what I if first of all, if I felt he was a good football coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have fired him for other things. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like but, like losing like losing and quarterback. Yes. Oh, and trading yeah. Khalil Mack and trading Amari Cooper and getting like a bag of footballs. OK, but OK, but let's assume I want to keep him. First thing I got to do is talk to the team. I have an open discussion. Like, how do you guys listen here? You know, do, how do you guys feel about this guy? You know, you, you, you saw what I saw, you know, how do you feel about him? Honestly, you know, mm-hmm. 60 guys open in the locker room where everybody's looking at each other, you know, because I have to make some decisions here. And if you guys can't live with this, well, then I, I can't live with it as the owner, because my job here is to win football games. And I don't win football games when my players don't like playing here. Of course. Of course. So that's, I mean, if you're asking me, so you, you know, that's how I start, how it ends. I don't know, but I, I would go from there. You know, I, I right. need to know. And, and that would likely be the way that I'd go to. I'm always for, for education. Um, I feel it alleviates a lot of ignorance. However, um, when we're talking about a guy, the age of John Gruden, I realize the education part to teaching a new dog, an old dog, new tricks um, thing can be very, very difficult. How much time do I want to devote to that? Will I actually make a change in this man? Um, and then there's the whole, you know. Well, no, but, it, but you, here's my bigger point. We, we almost pretend as a society with some of this stuff as if it doesn't get said out loud, that means it's gone away. In other words, if that's in his mind and heart, he could never have written an email, but that's not a good thing. So what I'm trying to say is, this stuff takes time. And as you start trying to get these people and then that article I'm referring to, he said, we need to root them out as if they were Nazis. And, you know, listen, some of this stuff is really evil. It goes from just, you know, making really bad jokes to being people that set out in life to hurt minorities and, and, and hold them back. So this is bad stuff here. But yeah. I guess my point is if I push 50 million people, whatever that number is, that might be high. I don't know. You know, I don't want to give If I push these people underground, I root them out. I shut up. Keep that stuff to yourself. It doesn't go away. They just set out under the cloak of darkness to do their evil. That's all. Yeah. Um, um, and that's very true. But all right. I think we're going to wrap it up on that and try and get back onto the actual football field here. Thanks, John Gruden and Bruce Allen <laughs> and the Washington football team and your topless cheerleaders for uh, taking us off the football field for uh, a good portion of the beginning of this show. But let's move back on to the football team. Amal, how much trouble are the Kansas City Chiefs in? I don't know if you keep this kind of stuff with you when we do our show, but we do a preview show every year where, you know, Amal and I give our predictions on how teams are going to finish, where they'll finish within the division, what we think their records are going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, you know, did say in in my portion of the preview this year that I thought the Chiefs were going to fall off. I had them down. I had them down as having a losing record on. Paper. Yes, you did. Yes, I you did. did. I, I don't remember if I conveyed that in our show. I may have. I forget. I do know that 
I might have been kicking shit and you know. You you were you were pretty hard on because I remember doing the show because I was apparently very wrong on them at that point. I had them as a thirteen and four football team, and I remember we had a specific disagreement on that team, and you just were like, "I don't see it," you know. I don't, you know. And, and to well, your credit, the thing I, for me was, and it's what we continue to see, and uh, you know, we mentioned this in emails, is that um, Andy Reid, for as innovative as he is offensively, uh, I definitely want to give him credit for that. He's innovative, but also um, doesn't really adjust all that well. So, you know, if you're having a problem stopping the the trickiness and the sleight of hand stuff that he does as a coordinator, yeah, you're, you're just going to continue. He's going to give you little different tricks. Well, you didn't stop the last trick, so you're probably going to have a problem with the next trick and the next one that he comes up with. But the moment that you shut down the trickery, he doesn't really have this button that he can press where he says, well, here's what they're doing defensively to stop the trickery. Why don't I go traditional and boring to run them back into the defense? Well, that, that and that's where you, you you said to me, which w- w- when I said to you, you know, Pat Mahomes, my comment to you just related to the listeners was Pat Mahomes needs to have a sit down with Andy Reid. They need to find some semblance of a running game or he's going to end up on a cart one of these days because he's playing Chuck and Doc. He said, that don't work for Andy because no, 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 no. because, it, because it that's really not enough trickery. Yeah. Yes. Just, he gets his high when someone says that was a genius play or what a great, you know, the play right. design. That's really his identity now. And I just really distinctly remember the Philadelphia Eagles having a very talented team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There was a stat out there at the time, Abel. I know you remember it. Is that the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were oh and whatever in certain temperature? Uh, yes, when for it was the under thirty championship years. game, and I remember specifically because they wouldn't bring their fans up here because yes. of how our beautiful Eagle fans are known in Pennsylvania. I remember the whole game very well. Right. Yes. So um, they, lo and behold, the Buccaneers go there and they play in and with the temperatures below what it is. Uh, the stat said, and they went and won the game and it was a low scoring football game. And it really was about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their cover two defense. And uh, which really limits the big playability, um, slows down a little bit of the trickery and to defeat it, you really have to be patient, boring, run the football, hit the little, you know, defined areas that the cover two opens up for you. And it just was not something Andy Reid could do fast forward to now you're with the chiefs and it yeah, I think in his mind was I might, you know, I'm going to get cover two again. You know, it's the NFL. People are going to try to, you know, mimic what has worked against me. But I have better toys this time. I have Tyreek Hill. I have Kelsey. I have Mahomes. Yeah. And my way was just to continue doing what I'm doing or did. But I just have better toys. But lo and behold, in the Super Bowl last year, it was Tampa Bay and the cover two once again defeating him, and that's been his problem in these games this year. Uh, Well, you know, and I think it may be me as a football fan, uh, my personality, and I suspect knowing you a long time, you probably are very similar to me with this. In business, I always tell people, right, most businesses that succeed figure out what they do well and they just continue to do it better than the other ones. There's very few groundbreaking businesses for all the Teslas out there. That, that are doing new and cool things and putting spaceships up and all this stuff. Most businesses are nuts and bolts, right? You have mm-hmm. a product, you have a way of selling it, you, 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 you deliver it and you deliver it on time and consistently and people love it and then they buy more of it. And that's basically I'm being simple yeah. here. Yeah, but, no question. 
And I think football to me is a lot. You know, I said to you, I was very impressed with Kellen Moore, the Cowboys 33-year-old coordinator, because mm-hmm. he does some goofy things, but not often. He's mm-hmm. very mature for his age. When he sees a weakness, he'll continue to exploit it until the other team stops it. And if that means like Sunday, the Giants couldn't stop the run, he ran the same play four or five times in a row, essentially. Running plays, boring, right yeah, down the listen, field. As, as a former coordinator... Um, albeit not on the NFL level. I'm here to tell you that is the most difficult type of offensive coordinator to deal with. And I've heard Brent Venables, a very respected uh, defensive coordinator for the Clemson Tigers, say the same thing. And he was talking about Georgia Tech. And it's just very difficult dealing with a team that finds something that you can't defend and will run it over and 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 over, and, and over again until you stop it. And, um, you know, yeah, hats off to Kellen Moore for doing that and guys who are able to do that. You know, let's not. Yeah. And I'm just I'm using him. There's others. But my point is the team I watch a lot. But I'm sure if I watch other teams, I'd notice, hey, I like what this guy does, because I like a coordinator that says, hey, you know what? If they're not going to stop this type of play, I may run some variations of it. Might not be the same play, but I'm going to run essentially the same thing until they show me they can stop it. Yeah, I remember early on in uh, when I was coaching youth football, um, they had a team out there that was less talented than us. But the offensive coordinator was running, you know, they're very wide hash marks in youth football. And he was running an unbalanced line. And um, he was just running off to and the unbalanced line was on towards their sideline. So, you know, if you weren't standing in the right spot, you wouldn't see it in the kept running the same off tackle play over and over and over. And he's just marching down the field. And, you know, I said, man, what the hell is going on there? I'm pissed at the players. But when I changed my vantage point, I realized, okay, he's got, he's actually outnumbered. He's got four <laughs> linemen over there. Yeah. And I don't have enough guys to stop this. Right. This is on me. And you listen from that day forward, it changed where I stood on the field uh, when I was calling plays, but you know, kudos to that guy. Right. Um, for doing that. But he, but, but he wasn't trying to trick you. And I think back to our original point, I think Kansas City is in trouble because of that. I'm not sure Andy can adjust and they're just not good enough in other areas. They need right, to be well, a that's, juggernaut. That's the, that's the thing also. It's that you have a bad defense and you've been able to overcome the mediocre bad defense in years past because you had all this toys and you can just outscore people. But now people have your number. And you really can't run up points like that. And then on top of that, teams are just keeping the ball away from your quarterback and all those toys. So when Mahomes gets the ball back, he's down seven nothing, and you're and you're playing this cover two, not allowing them to get back into the game right away. God right. forbid if you punt, they go down. Now it's ten nothing, or it's fourteen nothing, or you're down 14, 17 points, and you want to get back in the game all in one drive. And the safeties are back 15, 20 yards. And it's very, that's what's going on right now. The ball right and now. And Mahomes looks different to me. He looks frustrated. Um, well, sure. This game's about just, confidence. So, yeah, he just doesn't look like the player I watched the last couple of years. He got banged around in that Super Bowl. Um, they made some offensive line additions and upgrades. And I'm sure he came into the season feeling like this was the issue. So we'll fix it. It's all fixed. I'll get right back to piling up the yards and moving on my Hall of Fame pace, and it's not happening. So I can understand him being frustrated there. So let me wrap. Let's put a ribbon on this quickly. What do you see now that you've seen five games? Give me a final record for the Chiefs, quick. Off top of your head, what do you see? Seven and ten, eight, nine. Seven and ten, eight, nine. 
Okay, so you definitely you're sticking. They're a losing team. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah, um, I think so. Denver's better in that in that division. Um, we don't know what the Raiders are going to be. They might be better without John Gruden, but it's clear to everyone that the Chargers are the team to beat. Um, so that's going to be a couple tough games in the division when you're the Chiefs and you got as far as you did in the playoffs. You're playing that kind of schedule, so it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be hard for these guys. Um, I'm interested in seeing what a guy Andy Reid's age is going to do. Is he going to be is he going to stick to his deal or is he going to be like Nick Saban and adapt? Well, I can tell you what he's probably definitely going to do. Keep something at halftime off the menu. I'm sure they bring something in for him. Um, is the menu on that big play sheet that he's got? <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's a Chinese buffet menu. You know, I think he's got everything. Yeah, that might be in one of the 650,000 emails that was sent to the Washington football. It would be if they, it was. We're talking about Andy Reid, and I was emailing Bruce Allen. It would be in there. One hundred percent. Here's an actual picture of Andy Reid's call sheet um, in the games. Uh, real quickly, I want to touch on this before we move to halftime and in the college football topics because we're running long here. Uh, Emil, what do you make of Lamar Jackson's performance on Monday night? And listen, he's he's dazzled us before, but what he did Monday night was something uh, we've not seen from Lamar Jackson before, and that is. Being behind in a game and having to throw his way back into it and being wildly successful doing so. Did you see his numbers? From, yeah, from I did. Game? I saw the game and, you know, I watched the second half, even when they were down. I figured, oh, let's, let's see. I was bored. 27 of 33. Let's just start there. Um, and 442 yards passing, I believe. Yeah. Um, I mean, listen, if he can continue to do that, as you like to say, the ball moves faster than your feet. Yes. If he can continue to do that. It, it takes their offense to a new level. So the question will be, can he continue to do that? Obviously, because, you know, we're, we're not really sure what to make of the Colts. I don't know yet. I mean, geez, they're one and four. I expected more from that team. So I, I don't know. But if he can continue to do that, it bodes very well for their Super Bowl chances, because I think for I, I know I'm not saying I think for I know for them to win. He doesn't have to throw for 440 yards, but he needs to be able to consistently win games from the pocket, not with his legs. Yeah, um, no question. I am going to take a few points off uh, because it was against the Colts. And as I said to you, I don't know if I've ever said it on the show. It's just um, quarterbacks are going to have some efficiency against the Colts. And they don't play the ball. They don't go for the ball. They cover grass. Exactly. That's that's Um, what they do there. They cover grass. But don't break. And they, you know, they broke on Monday night. So there was some criticism coming the defense's way, the defensive coordinator's way. Um, It's just something that I've observed for quite some time. Obviously, I was paying more close, very close attention. Um, But it's just something that I'm not a fan of his schemes. I don't like those. I think, you know, you, you let guys get on a roll like Lamar Jackson, maybe a guy who would struggle in that situation if you played some more press and man coverage and make him make some mm-hmm. some tight window throws. I think you let a guy like that get confidence. And you just said it in the previous segment, that position especially is a lot about confidence. And now he gets confidence, he gets rolling, and he's throwing into your defense, which is designed to just basically, like you said, bend, don't break. There's big holes all over the field. And he starts hitting guys, and next thing you know, you got a problem. Yeah, really not set up for, you know, the secondary to make plays. And they weren't able to do that in this game, and, you know, uh, late. And Lamar came all the way back. Another, listen, it capped off an exciting weekend of football. But since we're talking about quarterbacks, this is a great time for us to segue into our halftime segment. Listeners, if you love getting cash back like I do, then you've got to get the Get Upside 
app right now. Get cash back on your everyday purchases without changing anything about how you shop or live. You'll pay however you normally do with a credit card or debit card and cash back will be deposited directly to your GetUpside account. There's no limit on how much you can earn. GetUpside even works with other coupons, discounts and loyalty programs. First, you claim your offer, find local offers on everything from gasoline to restaurants and everything in between. Second, spend, you shop as you would at your favorite spots around town. Third, check in or scan receipts, check in to log your purchase and you'll be on your way. Finally, get rewards. Earn cash back and cash out whenever you want via PayPal, e-gift card, or check. It's just that simple. I love coffee, and I get mine for free just by earning cash back from GetUpside. Download the app and get started getting your cash back today. Click on the link in the description of this episode to get started. It's time to hit the locker room for our halftime segment. As always, Amos got a question for me um, from the fans, basically. Um, taking the fan angle to ask me, because yeah, I played and coached a little bit. I did that kind of thing. So um, happy to answer that in this halftime segment. So what do you got for me this week? Okay. You know, the, 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 the national sports media would like us to believe um, there's a transition in the quarterback position. But if you really look, yeah, maybe there's more athletic guys playing quarterback. But most quarterbacks are still 6'2 and above. 225 and above they're big dudes <laughs> okay yeah. generally they're big dudes you know you see some of them run over people i mean they're big mm. do you think that a guy and i'm going to use specifically him and i could probably think around the league of some other small ones i can immediately they're both playing each other this week mm-hmm. uh, but do you think a guy like a kyler murray can, you know i'm not asking you to criticize him because he's playing great football right now mm. but do, do you do you see that as an impediment his size long term or a Baker Mayfield. So I'm just going to throw a couple names out there. Not You don't have to talk about how they're playing, but do you see size and not being prototypical and actually by NFL standards being quite small as an impediment long term? Um, I have to be honest with you. I was not high on Kyler Murray coming out for much of uh, what you mentioned. The size, there's just never been anyone his size to really flourish in this league. Um, for anyone that wants to bring up Doug Flutie, feel free to do so. Doug Flutie didn't do anything all that spectacular in this league. Um, so, um, yeah, I, he may have won a playoff game here or there or whatever, um, brought a team back, but in the grand scheme of things, didn't really kill it in this league. So, you know, it was just a matter of not really seeing that. And then I thought a lot of Kyler Murray's game was running and taking off with the football. And we have we certainly have a long history um, where that is concerned about that not working out for guys. So I thought that's what we're getting. What I am seeing with Kyler Murray is this, and, and I, it's kind of something that I talk about in recruiting um, when I talk to, to youngsters about recruiting, is that when you lack, when you lack something that's necessary in the, in the recruiting game, you must be exceptional in something else. So Kyler Murray doesn't have the height. That's obvious to anyone watching him um, on the field. What he does have, is an A-plus arm, Emil. And what I've noticed it allows him to do is stand further back away from the line of scrimmage so he can see down the field and deliver from the pocket, not have to leave the pocket. Um, he can stay behind the line of scrimmage and whiz that ball from the deeper part behind the line of scrimmage and get it to where he needs to get it to. So, And I'm going to assume because of his speed, it allows him to get the drop quick enough that it doesn't disrupt the timing of the play. So if he's taking a deeper drop... Because yeah, and these guys are, than, a lot of these guys are in shotgun now anyway. So you're starting right, off back there. Right. You can take the snap. He can retreat. 
Um, I don't even want to get into his quick twitch ability. And what I've noticed more this year than maybe in years past, maybe it's because I'm more, you know, in tune to what the Cardinals are doing. He is looking more to scramble behind the line of scrimmage a la Russell Wilson and buy time for his guys. And I'm telling you, as a defensive back, as a guy who played it, coached it, it's the worst thing in the world. Um, for you to have to be back there covering for six, seven, eight, nine seconds. Uh, there was a play in that opener against Tennessee where uh, I counted. He was back there for eight seconds with the football and launched it down the field. And lo and behold, well, I was just going to say that, especially if he has an A-plus arm, because now he's not limited. If he sees a guy break open 50 yards down the field, he can get it there. I mean, some guys, as they move to the right of the field, if a receiver's on the left – you know, from your scouting, okay, this guy just can't get that throw there. I can recover. This guy with Murray, you're telling me his arm will make up for that. Yeah, he can roll right, hit someone on the left. He can roll left, hit someone yeah. on the right. I've seen it already a couple of times in the games this season. So, um, yes, his size is uh, now How about durability, though? Not, not okay, so so you, you've covered – Well, yes. yeah, I'm going to answer that. In your case, in this case here, we're, if we're talking about Kyler Murray, um, what he is doing is – uh, like I said, akin to Russell Wilson, who up until this past weekend is a guy that just showed up for every game. He's not running to uh, beyond the line of scrimmage very often and taking those hits. He's behind the line of scrimmage where he's still considered a passer and where the guys pursuing him are less aggressive. Let's just be honest, Abel, because of all the rules. They're less aggressive to a guy who's behind the line of scrimmage than one who chooses to cross it. Right. So he gets the protection of that, and he is very, like I said, quick twitch. I don't know about full-on speed. Maybe it's a good thing that he doesn't have that. Um, you know, track speed like a Lamar Jackson, but he stays behind that line of scrimmage and throws the ball from this, so he doesn't take those big hits. And the other thing he does do is when he does take off and run, Kyler will slide. He played baseball, and he will run out of bounds. So he and I himself. and I I'm a big fan of that. Uh, the tough guy stuff in the NFL doesn't work, and I and I'm telling you, I'm going to tell it. you, yeah. I'm watching Josh Allen, fun guy to watch. But listen, I, I, I'm not hoping for this, but if he keeps it up, there's there's a cart for him. Okay, because I see things he's doing where the, he's taking guys to the ground with them and, you know, you know, stiff arming them. That yeah, it's cool. Event, but it's cool until a defensive tackle catches you or a defensive you're gonna run into the wrong guy. You're yeah, gonna, you're going to run. You're going to have your Drew Bledsoe moment. Um, and if you keep that up. So, listen, I'll, I'll say this. I was at the Arizona San Francisco game and that's what Trey Lance was doing. Trey Lance. Had a play near the goal line. If anyone watched the game or highlights of it, you saw it. It yeah, was him it. trying to score on fourth down, and he gets cranked at the goal line by Isaiah Simmons and someone else. And while I'm at the game, I'm sitting, I'm sitting high up enough, but I heard the hit. Oh no, I saw the hit. I I didn't. Th I mean, I I was surprised he got up. If you want me to be honest with you, I listen. You just are not gonna. I get it. You're a rookie, so you know you don't do the progressions thing as well. Whatever you're trying to win a game, you just don't see the field like that. And you're young. You're and you're athletic. You take off. You're just not going to be able to continue to take hits like that. You'll you'll be over in your rookie year if you continue that. So, quarter and he's a big guy. So, you know, if you're yeah. a little guy that wants to run around and do that, I don't I don't see your future in this league. No. Um, if you're doing what Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray is doing and you got the arm to do it, both of those guys, former baseball players, 
Um, you know what? I think you can. So you what I'm hearing from you is don't just go by the size of the guy. Look at their game. Look if there's something spectacular besides the size. You're saying that they have something that's extraordinary, in this case, arm strength. Yes. Mobility. They can play in this league at a, at a, at a Yeah, you got to have A plus yeah. something. You got to have A plus something if you're not the height and weight requirements. And that's just not quarterback. That is every position. If you want to be a six foot defensive end, um, you know, like what the Colts had, you better be damn quick and fast. You better or be Aaron Darnold. He's an example. Look exactly. at this, look at his get off. I mean, he's you know the best defensive player in the league, but he's not a mountain of a man by defensive tackle standards. One hundred percent. So the message here, kids and parents of prospects, if your kid's undersized, um, don't think he could do what everyone else is doing. If you're undersized, you better be fast, or you better be super intelligent. Um, that's how you're going to keep climbing through the levels in this thing. Don't compare yourself to the guys that are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". You can't do what they do. You're going to have to be really A+. You're going to have to make up for it somewhere. So, um, And that'll wrap up our halftime segment. Good question, too, by the way, Amal. Uh, so We try. We, tr- we try. We try here on the show. Time to get to college football. We're uh, back. We're suiting up for the second half. This is probably going to be shorter, though. Um, Amal, we got to talk about the Red River rivalry. Was this the greatest game that you have ever seen? First of all, were you able to watch the game? Live? Yes, I watched. I watched about three quarters of it, different spots. But yes, I saw most of well, what wait, I needed wait, to wait, see. Wait, 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 time out. You watched three quarters of it. Am I? Does that mean you missed the fourth quarter? No, I meant three quarters of if there if there were sixty minutes of football. I watched forty five throughout. Yeah. I saw the fourth quarter. What I'm trying to tell you is. For some, it will be a great game. Me, I'm of the once it gets to a certain score, you know, in regulation, it loses that for me. I watched it. I wanted to see who won, mm. but um, yeah, I mean, you got to play some semblance of, of you got to stop the other guys occasionally. It's Big Twelve football, and you know, as someone who has been wrapped up in defense uh, most of his life playing this game. Um, I would tend to agree with you. Now, granted, I saw the condensed version of this game. I was not able to see it live, um, but I watched the condensed version of it. And you know what, man? It was pretty damn exciting to me. Um, it was it was an exciting game. And the, the, the quarterback who came in for, for Oklahoma, which to me is what I find the more interesting uh, topic coming out of that game since Oklahoma won and they remain undefeated and, and somehow in the national championship hunt this year. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they have a, you know, a quarterback issue, right? I mean, Spencer Rattler was supposed to be the guy, signed all, got all kinds of deals with NIL money and yeah, all this stuff. Wow. And, and, and this, yeah, and this freshman comes in and I honestly, I know it's one game, but he's, I mean, this guy was a highly recruited guy. I, I don't really know how you don't stay with him to be honest with you. Hey, listen, I have some thoughts on this. Obviously, Spencer Rattler has been taking some serious heat this year from from his own fans. Um, and that got super loud, got super hot on Saturday when Caleb Williams, a backup quarterback freshman, true freshman, came in the game and got them back into this rivalry game and and, and ended up winning it for them. And I'm saying that like he, he was a catalyst in them coming back and winning the game. What I've yes. noticed here is that Spencer Rattler does not fit – the Oklahoma offense as it stands today. Um, He's not built for the way that O-line blocks. Um, He's a pocket passer who can scramble, but is not, that's not his thing. So he's probably better suited playing for someone else. Now this kid, they came in off the bench. Williams 
is, is suited for what it is that um, Oklahoma is right now. Maybe in years past, Spencer Rattler um, would have been better. You know, when the years Kyler Murray was there, maybe Spencer Rattler would have been a fit. But right now he's not. If they go back to Rattler, I'll go on the record saying I don't see them as any threat to win a championship. No, because they're limited there with him. But you lim- did, you, yeah. you did, didn't you not hear what happened yesterday? Uh, uh, apparently, some um, reporter for the school newspaper observed practice from some far away um, parking garage um, and and reported that Caleb Williams was taking the majority of the snaps with the first team. Kid even went on to get some quotes from Spencer Rattler's father. I mean, great reporting work for you. Oh, great reporting. I, I, I did see the story because uh, they're locking down practice or something. Is that what, it, what was coming? Uh, I saw apparently, it. The practice was closed. I don't know if that's the normal thing for Oklahoma, whether it's normal or not. It was indeed closed down. And once this report, this story came out in the student newspaper, um, Lincoln Riley shut down all media. For, yeah, for, that's for, what I saw. You shut down on me. Well, so it looks like that may be the direction they go. L- listen, let's not stay on this one too long. Two quick questions. Give me the best college game since you, you since you teased it in the opener that mm. you have ever seen personally. Cutting out games I played in because yes, I'll you had to watch college. it as a fan. Yeah. Yeah, well, the the greatest game I think is one that I played in. That's my first year at Miami, which was Wide Right Two. Um, that had great game, that, great game. That, yeah, that had. I saw that I game. I, I could say it, but that won't be the one I pick. But go ahead. Yeah, that had everything from big hits to kickoff returns for touchdowns to guys getting IVs on the sidelines. And when we watched the film on Sunday morning. <laughs> Lo and behold, the first thing on the film, and this only happens when you win, was our film guy catching two broads in the stands with tremendous fake tits <laughs> sitting on top of the shoulders of two guys. And that's how our film kicked off. <laughs> as we watched. So it literally had everything. I'm now, you see, you know the beauty of having a podcast? What's that? They, they can't fire us for, for what you just did. Right. Um, right, because, just, because just if we were at CBS, yes, we, when the broad, no you way I have talk to, about that. Or the broads, no, it. the broads are done. Once you said broads, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just pulling a page out of the 1920s. But anyway, yes, <laughs> the young the young ladies that were in the stands with um, augmented chest pieces um, started the the film, but it had everything. So aside from that, I do got to stay with my school. I attended in person the University of Miami versus UCLA game in 1998. The Edgar and James game. The Edgar and James game. Edgar and James game. Yes, yes, yes. UCLA was ranked number one. Yes. They, and the it game, was the hurricane game. It got moved game to got December. Moved, yeah, yes. The game got moved towards the end of the year. And one of my distinct memories from it was going to the game with two friends of mine. Um, and UCLA had gotten a significant lead. I want to say 17 points. Um, and they phoned me from a different part of the stadium and said, Hey, you want to hit it? Let's get out of here. I said, listen, I was out in California for all those years and I've watched UCLA football. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) One thing, one thing I know is UCLA football. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going anywhere. This ain't over. And lo and behold, I seemed like a prophet. I, I grew a long gray beard that day for those two guys. Because lo and behold, we came back 
And I reminded him, I said, you two guys, if I we'd listened to you, we'd have been on 826 um, heading home while all the greatest game ever was going on. I think you two guys. I'm going to give you two quickly. And because of the stage and what was at stake, I think mm-hmm. they top yours. Okay. One, I'll admit it. I hate to admit it. Was Texas beating USC when USC was going for a third straight national championship in 2005 yes. in the Rose Bowl? Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. It pains me as a USC fan. One of the greatest football games I ever saw. 41-38. Two great teams, too. It wasn't just – they were both it's 12 mighty big of you for, to bring that game up because I know the pain. It, it was, but it was, it was a great USC. game. And the other one was involved your team, which they actually won. And this is going back for some of our younger listeners to 1983 when Miami really became Miami. Mm-hmm. Beating Nebraska in the Orange Bowl 31-30 when Osborne could have kicked the extra and got the national championship because Nebraska was by far and away throughout the year clearly the number one team. He went for two. Miami stopped it and won 31-30 and won their first national championship. You're going to have a more vivid memory of that game than I. Was it an exciting game like that? Oh, it was a great game. It was a great game because – if I'm remembering correctly, Miami had a 31-17 lead in the at home, essentially, right, in the Orange Bowl. Mm. Uh, um, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Deer was the running back for Nebraska. I think he got hurt. Anyway, Nebraska was still running a Veer-type offense, okay? They were a, they were a, the ball and run it. So you think, okay, these guys are done, right? No, no, no. They they scored they scored 14 points, 13 points. Should have been 14. It should have been a tie. They scored 13 points in that fourth quarter and got to that two-point play. And you thought it was over. You know, Miami was a good defensive club. Bernie Kozar was the quarterback. And and not a very exciting game. The ending was phenomenal. I mean, I, I was 15 years old. I still remember saying to my dad, kick the extra point and win the championship. And that's where Osborne being a high character guy, not even character. I think he just thought of the world a certain way. He said, right. no, I'm going for the win. And well, Tom took you a long time to get back to get that championship. <laughs> God bless Tom for going for two and wanting the world to be right. And it yes. was, it was yes. for the next two decades. Yes. Um, anyway, anyway, um, moving along, speaking of speaking of dynasties, uh, Alabama. They go to Texas A&M. They go to College Station. I'm here to tell you from experience, that's a tough place to win. Maybe Kirk Herbstreet and Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Reese Davis <laughs> don't think so. Um, there's video of them is sitting in a car somewhere. I don't know why this was filmed, but talking about. Um, how they don't believe in the 12th man and the whole college station thing. And why do people hype that stadium up? That was making the rounds on Saturday night. Um, they don't believe in college station as a person who's been there. Um, I beg to differ. Those guys have been there more than me, obviously, but in my one trip to Texas A&M in, amidst COVID, by the way, they broke all types of rules at the time, piled, yes. piled, piled people in there. There was 60,000 people there during, in the middle of a pandemic. Anyway, Yes. Uh, tough place to win, um, Jimbo. Yeah, I, I, I think that the, I think two things though with that, not just the venue. I think people are discounting, you know, Alabama having a, a freshman quarterback. I just sure. think you, you know, I think it's going to be a little more challenging this year for them. And I know they scored thirty-eight points, so I'm not trying to put the loss on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I just feel that this is a little bit of a transition year because they don't have this. You know, they lost a lot off that team from last year. No, uh, 100%. It's an all-time, I think it was the greatest recruiting class ever. 
um, and they lost some key pieces to it, um, including a quarterback, and they are breaking in a freshman quarterback. So uh, I'm not here to by any means say the Alabama um, dynasty is dead. I'm not even here to tell you that Alabama's dead this year. I think they benefit, Emil, from this loss. I think they needed to be chopped down and brought to some kind of reality and um, need to be a little more diligent, have a little more fight and a little bit more sense urgency, sense of urgency, as I'm sure um, Nick Saban had the opportunity to tell them during this week of practice. I think they well, will. Let me ask you this. Let me defense. ask. Let me hit you with this question before we get off Alabama. If let's suppose Alabama wins the rest of their games, which I think they will, but who knows? So they're 11 and one and they play Georgia and they lose. Do they still get in the playoff at, at 11 and two? In this year, probably. I think so, too. Yeah, I think year, so, probably, too. Probably, because yeah. there aren't a bunch of other juggernauts out there. Clemson has fallen. Yep. Um, there isn't anyone to really take their place. And this obviously depends on how that game goes. If they get they get blown out by Georgia, then it's a different conversation. But if it's, you know, a tight ball game and Alabama, you know, shows that they belong on the field with Georgia and that, you know, um, could possibly win a rematch. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, that segues to our next topic. What do you think about Georgia? Because, I mean, I, you know, I know what I think. What do you think about Georgia? Um, I think you may have said this last week. Uh, if if not this year, then when for Georgia? You've got Alabama, like, you know, like we've indicated, starting a freshman quarterback. Um, you, you've got some new faces in there that have to take the lead. And Georgia seems as mighty as ever. This is the best defense that Georgia's um, had in Kirby Smart's tenure there. Um, they're competent enough on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they've got a decent passing game. You've got a great running game. You're good in the trench. You've got everything that you need. It, all of your five-star recruiting um, has come home, and this is your opportunity. And so, Emil, they've got, you know, they're the number one team in the country, so that would indicate that they have the best chance to win the championship. But like you've said, if it's not now, I don't know when it's going to I happen. think they have a chance with this defense. To, to, to put together a season that puts them as an all-time great defense. Sure, absolutely. They're doing really, really great things. Especially in today's game. You know, we just hit on a game that was, what, 55-48 between right. two, two Blue Bloods, Texas and Oklahoma. That would be, you know, heresy 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And now it's sure. commonplace. And in this day and age, for Georgia to do what they're doing defensively, I think you have to, you know, if it goes a little bit further out, I think we have to start looking at them as an all-time great defense. And I know one thing, that always travels. Um, I mean, the, 100%. You know, if you can get stops and get the ball back to your offense, um, you you always have a chance. And like I said, offensively, they're not as um, limited as they've been in years past. They've got quarterbacks that can get the ball down the field. They've always had a strong running game. So they've got all the pieces and I'm just anxious to see it. Like you know, and it's a weak field this year. I mean, I mean, honestly, you if you start looking around, uh, Ohio State appears to be getting better, and they have a freshman quarterback, so that was to be expected. I think as sure. the year goes on, they're going to get better. And you know, just let's not take that Oregon loss and write off Ohio State. I think Ohio State will be tough at the end of the year. Um, you know, I, I saw. I mean, Iowa won last week. Penn State's quarterback got hurt. I mean, Iowa is no juggernaut. They're a nice. I mean. I, I think they'd be challenged to get to 10 against Georgia. Um, Cincinnati, nice story, good team, good athletes. I'm not sure they're in that class. So, I mean, I think it's it's setting up for Georgia this year. It really is. It's setting up big time for them. Yeah, um, I, I I would agree with you, you know, on that. So, 
Um, like I said, if it's not this year, I don't know when the hell it's going to be for this for this team because it's all everything you need is in place right now if you're the Georgia Bulldogs. So um, with that, let's move to our picks, Emil. It's time to get that done. Well, let's cover quickly. I won't go through the games. It's up there. Listen to them if you want to hear what last week's picks were, the actual picks. Uh, college, uh, I was 2-1, and one, first winning week. Uh, I'm four and eight in college, so still not confident there. Chad, you've got four straight one and twos in college, so you're four and eight. Uh, in the killing pros, it. killing it. In the pros, though, we did kill it last week. We were both two and one in the pros. Now, my pro record is is good so far. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm nine and three. Chad, you had a winning week, two and one. You're five and seven. So overall, on the year, I'm at 13 and 11. You're at nine and fifteen. You've got some work to do because you're usually pretty good at this. So I'm expecting some good things from you. So why don't you start this week? Uh, I've been, a, you know, I've been a little rusty. You know, I was away from this thing. So, so anyway, yes. Um, and we're we're talking college football here. I'm going to go to my trusty Pack Twelve. And Ooh, your favorite, um, yeah, the Oregon Ducks. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what we're dealing with here. I, I may have gotten a little too giddy uh, with their their win over Ohio State. Um, I got let down when they took on Stanford. Yes, I know Stanford is kind of their kryptonite has been over the years because they you know they can get physical, um, and you know it's a bit of a it's been a bit of a problem for them over the years. However, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of off on Oregon. Um, yes, they've had a week off moving ahead into this game. Maybe that gives them enough time to game plan. I don't think they devoted the entire time in that game planning towards California. I think they devoted some time to their next opponent, um, which is UCLA. So though this is uh, off of a bye week, I think California is a sandwich game. And, you know, they're laying double digits here at 13 and a half. Man, I think I'm going to ride with the Golden Bears, the fighting Marshawn. Well, they, they, they play some defense there. So that, and they, they seem to always, if you go look at the history in the last 10, 12 years, for some reason, they've played Oregon tough. I don't know why, but they do. Yeah. So my heart's moving me towards Cal in this game. Um, going to the Big Ten, where I've had probably, you know, if the, if you could say anything, has been successful for me in picking so far this year. It's been in this conference. Um, I got off of Michigan State last week. Going to get back on with them. Um, they're taking on Indiana. There was a little, there was some expe- expectations for Indiana this year, and they just have not been able to meet them. I think uh, it was cool when they were flying under the radar. Now that eyes are on them, and it just has not been too good. They were dominated by Iowa. They were beaten by Cincinnati, dominated by Penn State. And Michigan State looks to be moving into that upper tier, or at least trying to, in the Big Ten. And um, they they seem to be moving in the right direction. I think Michigan State continues to roll if they want to be continue to be if they want to be considered in that upper tier with the Michigans and the Ohio States. Um, I think they have to go out here and really stomp the teams that they need. And to you're stomp. okay. You're okay laying some points on the road, is what I'm hearing. Are you? That's, no, it's, does, yeah, it's, does it's, it concern you? Okay, it's it's less than a touchdown. You're playing a team that's sub 500. Um, I think Michigan State gets the job done here. And we okay. spoke about Georgia. They're laying a big number against an undefeated football team this week. This kind of reminds me of the Georgia-Arkansas game 
where you're like, wow, that's a big number, man. Something uh, was kind of quirky there. I mean, Kentucky just knocked off Florida and LSU in back-to-back weeks, and therein lies the problem. It's a lot of energy you expended in those back-to-back games. And I just think Kentucky is going to kind of run out of some steam. Um, I think they don't really have a way to score against Georgia's defense, not the way that they run it. It's just a really bad matchup for Kentucky. Last year, I, I think, what, they scored three points, six points against Georgia, and this is a better Georgia defense. I think Kentucky's going to find a very hard, tough sledding uh, offensively, and that's going to lead to frustration and desperation. And, and I think Georgia um, runs away and covers the number in this game. Okay, and we so can you talk got about Cal how, plus. We, we can talk about how great Georgia is again next week after they blow out, um, you know, this Kentucky team that's undefeated at the moment. So you got the Golden Bears plus 13 and a half, Cal. You got Michigan State minus four and a half and Georgia minus 22 and a half. Well, I'll save some time on this segment because I'm starting with Georgia. I love Georgia this week. I'm not going to be a sucker twice. Mm. Okay. Uh, same reasons you just laid out. Uh, I think that the, the lofty ranking for Kentucky only helps Georgia get fired up for this game. I think they're on uh, like sort of a revenge tour. They're making statements. And I think they're going to make a really loud statement here. This game just has the feeling to me of like 38-7. You know how you get a feeling for a score? Just feels like 38-7. Georgia. So I love Georgia like you, given the 22 and a half. Easy one. Okay. Uh, next. I think Oklahoma State will make their free throws down the stretch. I mean, honestly, I'm taking <laughs> Oklahoma State plus five. Okay. You're going to give me a capable team that's been pretty good the last 10 years, most of the time. They're number 12 in the country. They're getting five points at Texas. And that was a loss for Texas that was not a come out with your hair on fire loss. That was a very deflating loss last week for Texas. Rivalry game, you had a 28-7 lead in the second quarter. Thing was going your way. And bang, next thing you know, you're a loser. And to me, that's just very tough to recover from. And you, now you got to cover a decent sized number here. You, you know, you can win by three. That's fine. I still cash the ticket. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State plus the five. And then finally, right. got one more team looking to make a statement. You know, they, they, they beat Notre Dame. Cincinnati's number three in the country. They will not take the gas foot off the gas pedal. Okay. They're given 21 against UCF their home. I need to do them really good this week okay <laughs> okay that's <laughs> I mean, how we're talking on the show today that's how we're talking i think they're doing really good like 45 14 something like that i just really think cincinnati they can t- themselves they can feel it now it's real to them they beat notre dame they just have to take care of their business and they're in the playoff uh, and i don't think they're gonna take that uh foot off the proverbial gas pedal so give me Cincinnati 21 against UCF. Yeah, you know, I kind of uh, I kind of like the other side in that game. Mm, that's because you're a Florida guy. You, just, you, you well, probably no, have listen, 12 guys that you train on no, the team. Come on. Time out. Time out. <laughs> I, we don't – I don't love Central Florida. They talked a lot of smack. They gave themselves a mythical national championship. I've clowned them several times on Twitter um, and um, had my mentions blown apart by UCF Knight fans that were not happy with me, but – um, that's, that's, that I just, I don't know. I have a feeling they're going to rise up. They're okay. going to rise up. Well, I hope you're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. So. Well, I don't, I don't have any skin, uh, in the game, so to speak. So let's right. move to the NFL. I'll go first here. We'll just continue right along. Okay. okay. 
the NFL, I'm going to start with an interesting game to me. Uh, that is is the oldest rivalry in NFL history. We got the Packers playing the Bears, but the Tundra won't be frozen in Chicago, at least not right now. Um, I'm grabbing the home team here, plus four and a half. I'm going to take the Bears. I think, uh, you know, I think the Packers are riding Aaron Rodgers and he's covering up a lot of weaknesses on their team. That's not to say they're not a good team, but I think he's masked a lot of stuff. Uh, they won a very tough game at Cincinnati last week, the field goal game, as I like to call it. Three missed field goals from their kicker. He missed an extra point. The Cincinnati kicker missed a couple. It was a joke, but they won. They're on the road again this week. Big rivalry game in a game that's a big game. The Packers are four and one. The Bears are three and two. And I'm catching four and a half at home. I see this as like one of those typical Green Bay Chicago games in the 20s, not super high scoring. And I just think four and a half is a lot with a decent Bears team. Okay. Okay. Second one today. We got we got a game where you got Lamar Jackson. You know, we just talked about him for a while. He put a Superman cape on and he rescued the Ravens. But the Ravens are, you know, a spotty four and one right now to me. They're four and one. They're a good team. I get it. But they needed a 66-yard field goal to beat the Lions. They needed Lamar Jackson to throw for 400 and some yards to come back from 19 down against a bad Colts team at this point. And they're home. It's like people don't believe in the Chargers. They're giving three points to the Chargers. I'm going to take the three for the purposes of the show. I would almost tell you if you're taking the game, use the money line. I think the Chargers are winning this game outright Sunday. I think it's an outright upset win Chargers over the Ravens. Okay. All righty. And then finally, I have to put my Cowboy fandom aside because I'm very, very fearful this week. You're picking another I- Cowboys game? Yes. I, I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know, because they look so good. And then they go to New England. But here's the thing. This is not a good Patriot team. You know, I know Belichick's the coach and all that. They're playing a rookie quarterback. If the Cowboys want to be what I think they can be, this is a game you got to take care of business. You're given three and a half. You're, you're the better team in this game. You've got the better roster. I'm going to take the Cowboys giving the three and a half at New England, especially after watching the Patriots parts of that game last week. David Mills from the text, David Mills. He had them 22-9 at the start of the fourth quarter. David Mills. I'm taking yeah. the cow. I mean, he must not be good. You've just not gotten that guy's first name right. And two no, uh, David, excuse me. That's right. You keep telling me that. You got to keep saying Amel, Confederacy, Confederacy, Confederacy. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. All right. I'm feeling you on that. You know what, man? I'm, I'm feeling all of your picks. Truth be told, I, I had two of the same, but I'm going to cast one of those aside. I'm not going to tell you which one, but we're going we're gonna to double up on one of these picks, and that's going to be the Green Bay-Chicago game. Hey, folks, Chicago's three and two. I bet you didn't know that. They are an actual winning football team. Um, I was able to watch that Green Bay game um, in the beginning last year, um, last last week, I meant to say. And and um, I just was not in love with what I was seeing there with them. So I don't know what's going on here. Anyway, was not in love with um, with what I was seeing from that Packers team. Just was not able to move. was not able to get in the end zone, Amal, as much as you know. You you would. They just looked disjointed. I mean, it didn't. It looked. It, it just. They didn't. I know Cincinnati's a good football team, but they just didn't look right to me. I, yeah, I don't know. So, something about the performance looked uneven. Something about that performance does not say they should go into Soldier Field against Chicago, 
and 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 lay more than a field goal, which they happen to be doing here. So I'm going to take the little extra cheese on that and roll with Chicago. Although um, my hesitation is that there is a rookie quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Um, what kind of removes some of that hesitation is this rookie quarterback is a guy who could take off and and make plays with his legs, which is good when you have a rookie and it's not a guy just sitting there in a the pocket. So um, I like the way Chicago's playing on defense. Um, I think the kid is going to, and Justin Fields I'm talking about, is going to look better in his second um, real start here for them. And I like their chances against Green Bay. Um, talking about the other half of that Green Bay-Cincinnati game, the Bengals heading to Detroit. Um, and they're going to be motivated. This is a team off of a loss, a game they felt like they really had every chance to win. I think it was probably a spirited week of practice. And this isn't actually a really good football team, better than I think a lot of people expected. Um, and Detroit is playing hard. But you know what, Emil, when you start getting to this point in the season, um, you start to run into a little bit of despair. You start to run into a, oh, woe is me. Here we go again type of thing. Detroit's 0-5. So and far, the way they lose, Chad. That's what I think is dispiriting. You know, again, another 50, they're the first team in NFL history to lose two games at the gun on 50-plus yard field goals in the same season. There's a stat for you. Yeah, you start feeling snake bitten and it gets to be a little tough for you. And now you've got, um, you've got, and that was a divisional loss, back-to-back divisional losses for them. So they're a little <laughs> Deflated with Cincinnati coming to town, a motivated winning team. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I think they're three and a half point favorites in this. They are. So, yeah, that that hook could be troublesome, but I think the Bengals, um, you know, look the way they're supposed to look in this football game and, and get the job done. What they weren't able to do last week, they'll get done this week. All right. And finally, I'm moving to Monday night. Uh, we talked about the Chiefs not being the Chiefs, but they're a brand name right now, and the Bills knocked them off handily easily whatever term you want to use for what it is that they did in that game on Monday night. And it was in front of everybody. So there's just this feeling of them being formidable. That doesn't bode well the next week, especially when you're, when you're on the road and you're playing a winning football team. And yes, Tennessee is a winning football team. And um, I think Tennessee will come to play in this game. Um, they got, they kind of got their mojo back. Jacksonville will help you do that. 37 points put up. Offense kind of got clicking there. They they battled back. The number feels very inflated. I mean, just because I know Tennessee's, I mean, you know, they may not be world beaters, but they're a good football team. They are. Um, you know, people were down on them after losing the opener, but that team they lost to is currently the only undefeated team left um, in the NFL. And right. um, yeah, once again, they climbed up off the mat, got two more wins, and then they lost to the Jets. So people were down on them. But I think... This is one of those Tennessee's built for late part of the year and playoffs if they can get there. And I think they're really starting to come around. I think they'll welcome the challenge from the Bills. And I like them as five. Is it five, five and a half? Five and a half. So Chad's got the Chicago Bears plus four and a half. The Cincinnati do no longer call them the Bungles. We'll give them their real name, the Bengals, minus three and a half. And the Tennessee Titans plus five and a half. Tell the audience who'd you throw out? Because now I'm curious. Well, that would have to be your other game that you that. Oh, well, you know what? No, no one would really know. I would have to say that. But I, I was going to roll with the Chargers against the ball. OK, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see you got, you got three good ones. I'm I'm, I'm with you on all three years, too. So uh, let's you know, you're the one with the winning record. So let's hope that's a good thing. But, you know, the middle part of the year, that's my time of year, folks. It's my time of year. It's like. You know, come from. He's behind. like the guy who he's got the like the guy at the bar at one thirty in the morning. That's his time at night to get a check. <laughs> it's, my, 
It's my time. It's my time, maybe. I wish there was a song we could play right here, but no songs. You guys have been here with us long enough. On our way out the door, just want to remind you guys to subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. If you're on Anchor and you feel like leaving us a message, go ahead and drop that voice message. You could be the first one. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You do it, you do it. All right, otherwise, if you want to reach us, you can email the show, Wilson at gridironstuds.com. We thank you guys for listening, checking in with us. Enjoy the weekend's worth of games. Hopefully, it's as good as what you got last week, and we'll be back with you next week. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening to the Gridiron Studs Show. See you guys next week.